Hello there, Software Define Talk listeners. Hope you all are having a happy new year. Hey, listen, Cote, myself, Matt Ray, we're still out on vacation having fun. Hopefully you're having some fun with your families. But I did want to uh, play an episode here from the archives. So this is actually an episode from the old Exegesis podcast that uh, Cote and I used to do. It was a paid podcast. You had to like subscribe and uh, give us some money and things like that. So we tried it for a while, but then we just decided that it was easier just to make a regular podcast. So uh, I took all the episodes from Exegesis. They've been out there in the feed for a while, but we did one episode that I think is really relevant for some of the conversations we've been having recently. We actually uh, did a review of The Four, which is a book that was written by Scott Galloway. And I think more recently, you've heard us talk about Scott Galloway. He does uh, a podcast that's pretty popular, as well as uh, he's written several books uh, since then. So, and I think he's probably most well known for at this point, um, you know, either being on the Pivot podcast or really being one of the people that really called attention to the, the WeWork IPO and maybe just all the insanity. And I know that we've mentioned both WeWork, Scott Galloway, and the Pivot podcast a bunch of different times. So, this is actually an episode we did a couple of years ago, right around the time his book, The Four, came out. So, we kind of give our take on The Four. And we also do a little meta analysis like, what does it mean to write, write a business book? What makes a good business book? So, that was sort of the, the theme of the Exegesis podcast. So, hope you enjoy it. If you like this episode, I'm actually going to put a link to uh, all the old exegesis episodes. They're all pretty much Greenfield, right? You can listen to them anytime. There are all kinds of topics, whether it's like what it's like to be a lone wolf analyst, uh, some financial analysts. We look at some white papers, some press releases, you know, kind of, if you will, look at what it makes to, to do a good job at corporate marketing or, you know, enterprise tech marketing and things like that. So they're fun episodes. They're, you know, fun to listen to if, if you want something to throw in the back of your uh, podcast catalog and always have something fun to listen to. So hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you're having a great new year. And we look forward to being back with you in, in the next couple of weeks. And of course, between now and then, if you want stickers, Go ahead and just send me your postal address at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Be happy to send you a sticker anyway, anywhere in the world. And with that, on with the show. Well, I don't know why. Maybe it's because uh, it's the season or I've been traveling, but I've been in a bit of a funk recently. Not that anyone could tell. Uh, maybe. But uh, so we'll see. Hopefully, I'll ha- you'll have to help me keep me honest on this book that we're going to review here. That I don't just, uh, you know, I'm trying to work with my son. That when you're angry, uh, if you take it out on other things and people, especially his most beloved favorite item in the world, his iPad, it doesn't really fix anything. I mean, if you're angry and you, like, throw your iPad on the ground or across the room, I'm not really sure you're fixing anything. So uh, <laughs> we'll we'll see if, if, if I can prevent myself wow, from should I, should doing I the equivalent or... throw the book across the room. I was going to say, should I duck? Or are we, are we actually going to throw? <laughs> I listen to this book on Audible, so there's nothing for me to throw. Who, now, now, who did he, for that. did he read it in Audible, or was it someone else? No, he did not. There's a oh, professional narrator who uh, it was good. I, I, I don't remember his name, but he was good. Yeah, this dude a... was probably too, uh, too busy, you know, making $5 million and then losing it uh, to, to like uh, – <laughs> to read an audible book on it or doing his CrossFit training or something like that. Well, I feel like we just have to start here. Like you in preparation for this episode, cause mm-hmm. we actually had to uh, agree cause it was a book and it actually takes some time to consume. Fucking so books. you set this out last week, right? You're like, uh-huh. Hey, this, you, and you seem pretty excited. You're like, yes. And I was, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just down. This is sort of in my wheelhouse of like, 
I'm just a sucker for these, you know, business books. It's, it's mm-hmm. like it's just like catnip in some degree, right? And so, um, totally. So I'm like, yeah. I was just immediately like, I think you sent it out, and I immediately was like, okay, I'm in. And so since then, I think it's only been maybe seven days because we don't plan that far in advance. You, you're in our prep uh, conversations and uh, various text messaging platforms. Uh-huh. I, I think you soured. You've definitely soured on this throughout the week. <laughs> like on Tuesday, you're like, that's ah, pretty good. <laughs> like on Wednesday, you were, you had really turned the corner. And then last night, I think you, you, you had, you had to push through. I don't know. Maybe that was, that's where we should start. Did you push through to the end? Cause yes, yes. I, fi- I finished reading the book. I even, I even skimmed to the acknowledgements just to see, you know, who, uh, as as he was falling down the hole of terribleness, who he was grappling with to pull him into the mud, uh, but wow, that see there you go, that that wasn't very kind. So what? Let, let's start there. So you, it, you saw this. Well, first book. of all, first of all, I what, want to come back what to is the like book? You, no, the four. Yeah, we should do that. The four. <laughs> okay. The hidden DNA of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. Google written by NY. Use own uh, professor Scott Galloway, who mm-hmm. teaches, I think, brand marketing at the NYU sure. Stern Business School, and has uh, this talk, right? He's given this talk for several years, or a version of it. Like, I think that's why I originally saw it a couple years ago. And I think he is maybe most well known for making the prediction that Amazon would buy a, like a retailer mm. like a couple years ago. Yeah. So I think that's why people. Um, you know, it's one of those things, rather be lucky than good or, you know, he was just really smart. But when your predictions come true like that, you get a lot of media attention. Yep. And I think that is that's sort of what's happening. All right. So, so, so back on track with, of your question. Yeah, I want to thank you for like set, helping us set up some kind of I just want to come back to like when you originally saw this, because there was at least, at least some excitement or interest. You, you were like, hey, we should read it like. Like, what was your hope when you read this, or why were you attracted to it? Well, so you say his name Galloway. Galloway. How how do we, how should we do, we to pronounce? I it? say Galloway, but Galloway. I, you know I don't okay. know if that's true. Uh, so I really like uh, this guy's newsletter. I, I remember, uh, as they say, turning you on to it uh, and sharing it with you. And and his newsletter is a good balance of aside from the topic area, which is sort of consumer tech strategy. Let's call it which. Which I have a very, as as listeners will know, a very uh, low tolerance for consumer tech uh, strategy stuff, and so his stuff is good. It's it's interesting. Um, so that has that topic area. But the three things I think are good is it's concise. This newsletter he puts out, so it's not super long, and it has. I, I I struggle to find a word. I wouldn't say unique, but it has. Let's let's use all the positive connotations of this. It has fresh thoughts on that space and things that are going there, right? Interesting thoughts. And then third, uh, this is a bit of a two-parter. It's very well-written. And part of what makes it well-written is that he often talks about uh, personal things, right? So it's not antiseptic. Um, and so it's, it's uh, you know, with news, I always look forward to reading it, which doesn't mean I read it. But if, if, I, if I remember to read it, it's, it's generally always good and it's, it's worthwhile. So I figured, and then also... Um, the recordings of his talks are also good, right? Like, as as I was saying on uh, our Software Defined Talk episode, right? He's kind of like the Anthony Bourdain version of Mary Meeker, which which is great. Like, he's, uh, I think, Anthony Bourdain after reading. I mean, anyways, anyways, I like Anthony Bourdain. He's nice. He's a good uh, if if you're if you're trying to kill time in an airport lounge, uh, and that comes up on CNN. It's a good good to watch Anthony Bourdain. Uh, so. Therefore, I thought, uh, hey, he's come out with a book. I'm going to like that, 
right? Like it'll be interesting to see what uh, what he comes up with and, and, and what he talks about. So that was my excitement about it and uh, why I, I remember I pre-ordered this book. And uh, and I, I was looking in in my Kindle apps one day. And I was like, "Oh, what's this? All right, I pre-ordered this book." So it was it was a delightful surprise, and so uh, okay. hence my so initial. So that's a good excitement. setup, and I think so. The potential thing I think we should talk about first is like the motivations to write a book, mm-hmm. right? Because I think this book immediately, to me, like in my mind, goes to a specific motivation. Like sometimes, like. Like a great author, like um, maybe like the Game of Thrones guy, right? Like it's clearly he had a story to tell and um, novels, in, in my opinion. You know, clearly I, that was a man that probably been obsessing over writing novels like his right. entire life, right? And, and you hear that um, about uh, J.K. Rowling's of, of uh, yeah, Harry Potter where for, same thing, for like right? 20 and, years she'd been collecting notes about all of this stuff or whatever. Right, so you, you, you sort of have this – notion of like you know those people i mean we've probably just named like two of the most successful <laughs> fiction writers of all time so <laughs> right, right. Let's, so you got that pretty high uh, but yeah. but uh, i guess where i'm coming from is people there are those types of people that are clearly the novel is the medium of obsession for them mm-hmm. and really i think both those stories even though they went on uh, game of thrones being a great television show and uh the harry potter movies have made a lot like i think those are probably novels are really the right format for that right it's yep. sort of um really a long form and then you have um sometimes i think we could talk about other types of formats right like um you know like a good example would be a stand-up comic who's like really good at stand-up but then he makes a movie Right. So his passion was maybe stand up comedy and that notoriety sometimes like lets him make a movie. And sometimes they're good, but a lot of times it's like you find them kind of out of bounds, right? They're sort of outside the the medium that was really good for them. Mm. And I think, you know, if I was to like start on, on the four, right? I was like we'd start with, you know, did Scott Galloway always dream of writing a book? Right. <laughs> and I think if we look at that and say, I would say probably not. Like he his content so far being presentations, newsletters, um, and just lots of YouTube videos. And, and, not, and also I would add to that. I mean, this is, this is good, good analysis so far. I would, I would presume based on his professional career that his other medium and maybe, maybe the one he performs best in is the, uh, the conference room meeting, right? He's obviously a type of management consultant. And I bet if you get a, a consultation with this dude, it's amazing, right? And amazing, not necessarily in a razzle dazzle way, but I bet it's actually helpful. And at the senior executive and even board level, it probably does move you to think of a new thing to do for your company. Like I bet he's uh, excellent at that. Absolutely. I think 100%. And as, as a spe- just a speaker, you know, you can kind of say being good in the conference rooms makes you like a good uh, speaker, which often leads you to becoming like a good keynoter, mm-hmm. right? Somebody who – because I think of a great keynote or any type of uh, presentation is like, can you leave me with a couple things to think about? Yeah, right? yeah. And, and, and then also just, just to add to that, because this is a bit hidden from, from people who don't experience it, he probably also is re- in the conference room really good at like reading the room and uh, – I would imagine he follows what we call the challenger sales model, which is uh, he makes you realize that you're a fucking idiot and that you need to do something different. And there's probably a lot of interactivity and back and forth he has with people, and he can probably keep up with whatever uh, um, I don't want to change nonsense that people throw back at him. And and again, the whole point of the the, let's call it the you know, I've never read that book, but whatever the challenger sales model is. 
you are helping someone improve the way they're doing something by telling them they're wrong and making them lust for for finding out what the solution is that they would have been resistant to in the first place. Exactly. So I think all of that is like, you know, kind of pretext for understanding like, okay, if we kind of go into that and saying like this person isn't destined to like wanting to write a book, but they're a great speaker and they're really good in these other mediums and they're a good management consultant. So so right away, I when I see this, like, you know, kind of like categorizing this book is I think to myself like, well, he's decided that he wants to stretch like all of this content and his thoughts into about 200 pages. Now, sometimes <laughs> when people do that, it's good because they have the the format and the context to go into more detail, right? So like, you know, you're giving a presentation in 25 minutes, but you really know there's three hours of content, right? So sometimes it's like, yeah, go watch, go read this other white paper. And so there's some like legitimate, if you will, like going back to mathematics, uh, right? Like if you want to see the full proof, open the book, right? Like there's a lot of information that may be relevant to you. But sometimes like – same thing in math. It's like, you know, I don't really need to see the proof. I trust you and mm-hmm. all the mathematicians that came before you. Like I'm good. So I'll just skip over that and learn like the, the shortcut trick uh, to do it. And I think that's where – when you see a book like this and you're looking at the author, right? I think that's the first thing that should come to mind, right? Is like, okay, have I seen this guy speak? Have I do I understand kind of his primary message? And do I think behind that is potentially, you know, maybe this book took eight hours to read or whatever it takes you. Like, is it worth spending six, seven more hours on this versus reading the blog, the newsletter, and watching the video? And I think that's just as like a, a consumer of the business book medium. Like that is your first question. Yeah, right? yeah. No, that, that's 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 a good skill I haven't developed as a um, as a consumer of this stuff is to uh, make the call that I don't need to read the book. Like you know, and and we'll see. I mean, it's 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 clear uh, that Ben Thompson needs to come out with a book, right? And um, maybe he's got the Fitzgerald problem that Hemingway was like. I forget the quote, but Hemingway was like, "You got to stop fucking writing articles and write a novel." Right. And because Fitzgerald would write a bunch of short stories and things, it's kind of like uh, easy money when your wife is slowly going crazy and blowing all your money on champagne. I'm, I'm sure Fitzgerald participated in that, too. I'm not familiar with the Fitzgerald history like I am with uh, Hunter Thompson and Hemingway. So forgive me if I sound like an <laughs> ass. But uh, I only know Hemingway's views of Fitzgerald, which is not kind. Um, so. Yeah, like it, it'll be challenging when Ben Thompson comes out with a book, if he does, to figure out if I should read it or not. Because I don't know. I feel like I know his shit really well. Right. <laughs> now, now on the other hand, in contrast, and I think I, I'm going. This is a really good point you're making that that I hadn't thought of, which is what I look for in shit I consume. Um, I think when Horace Deju comes out with a book based on what he's been talking about, sadly for a couple of years now. That will be worth reading because it will actually – I think it will be maybe 25% all his existing stuff, and I think the whole rest of it will be new things that you haven't really seen or thought about. And so that is – that's a good call to make on uh, these kind of books. Well, I think you know, on the Ben Thompson one, I think the better question there right, will be like does he write it? Because I think in his last mm. – one of his last episodes, he touched on this topic about people kind of think he should write a book. And he's kind of pushed back on that and saying – because his, you know, his uh, passion theory is the aggregation theory, right? Like he, And he finally wrote a post just on that kind of like a Greenfield post. It's relatively short, at least in terms of management strategy kind of stuff that yeah. kind of outlined his thoughts. But it, you know, his point was like I don't want to write a book because my thinking is always evolving. And, you know, and kind of his podcast and his newsletter 
is, if you will, his ongoing thoughts and evolution of it, which I think is really interesting for him to acknowledge that is like, you know, nothing like because once you write it down in book form, like his his um, thing in Scott Galloway's uh, framework, I think it's called the T framework or, you know, and you kind of yeah, and he never explains why he chooses a T. But let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we're not going to have ourselves. <laughs> but like his whole point is I think the thing I like about Ben Thompson's approach there. Right. Was saying that, like, hey, you know, these all of these ideas are evolving all the time. Right. And I don't think, you know, I think his point would be like, I'm not going to get it to steady state where I'm going to sit down where and then for him financially it makes sense for him to sit down and write you know whatever however long it takes you to yeah, write a book yeah. wait, and promote it whereas yeah. scott galloway has clearly gone the other way whereas like he is so tied to this theory his framework right and i think this is what we get into is that you know it's it, like if it evolves right it's just very hard to like go back and be like you know i'm not totally sure i had it 100 percent right and i think mm. of books like good to great and um the um Oh, the, 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 the in search of excellence is the benchmark. Yeah, like you, like you see these books, right? And you, as you go back in time, you and you can kind of tell, like they don't really hold up um, over as long a period of time. So, but like I think as an author, right, you would just be naturally defensive of that, right? So I think that's sort of something to think about when someone writes a book. Like they really are, you know, pretty much staking a lot of their career on this thing, and therefore, if it if you feel like it's going to change, it's going to be very hard for them. It'd be take any human being to go back and say the framework I had, I don't think it was right, or it has some real interesting flaws. Um, yeah. You don't see authors do that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, to, to potentially, Brandon has a hard stop, so maybe I'm wasting our time. But I want I want to want to given I should stop disclaiming this, but given the point of our podcast here. I want to dig into that a little bit. So one, let's start with with Ben's assertion that he doesn't need to write a book. That's completely wrong, <laughs> right? Like it's just – and this gets to the point of describing what we're doing in this episode. What is the medium of the business book or in my sour mood of the airport business book? What's the reason, the utility of it? Um, and the utility is the same utility of you have to have a PDF, right? Like you're going you're gonna to make a PDF, so just fucking get over yourself, right? Like – the mainstream consumers of this kind of stuff will read a book, right? And I know Ben Ben's probably following from the bias of being successful, right? Because I haven't looked at it in a while, but a couple years back, my estimate based on his numbers was his revenue is probably 120, 150,000, which is amazing, right? Like that is that is fractional one percentage percentile of like success rate in his his business in a newsletter, right? A blogger. Um, and nowadays, I bet his revenue is probably up to at least two hundred thousand, if not more. Right, ba- selling a hundred dollar a year subscriptions to an email newsletter, more or less. Um, so it's easy to get cocky. <laughs> and and think but we he- should stop. Like, let's pause on that for a second because yeah, I think yeah. the business model of the strategy consultants is really important uh-huh. because. I think Ben Thompson would say that's what he has said on this podcast. Like, mm-hmm. I can make more money by writing this and not spending the time for a book. Yeah, but no, I, and so take a moment. Yeah, yeah. Let's take a moment to like decompose the Scott Galloway business model here. Uh-huh. So, okay, there's a pretty well-known formula for becoming a really high-paid keynote speaker, and it's something along this, right? It's mm-hmm. like first you come up with like your point of view, and you start giving the presentations, and you pro- you blog, you do good content marketing, which is the email newsletter you mentioned, along with these great YouTube videos that are super, uh, relatively concise, easy to to watch, you know, quote unquote snackable, right? No, and the, and as, as a footnote to that, that's that's a good point. I mean, there's even one even one point where Galloway is like, 
we spend a lot of time on these videos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So first you get that going, right? And that's what starts to like allow you to start to become the consultant, allow you to win over a few clients potentially, right? But if you do it kind of long enough and it starts to catch on, especially if you're taking a very provocative point of view, this is the old provocateur kind of like media personality, mm -hmm. then you could potentially get the attention of, of TED, the TED Talk people. Okay, so the way the TED Talk business, if we kind of un unwind that, the way that works is that TED does not pay any of its speakers, right? You go give these usually 15-minute presentations that are well, very well rehearsed, and they, they vet you, and they help you do it. And the reason you do it is because once you've been, quote, branded as a TED Talk speaker, that is what vaults you into, like, the real speaking circuit, right? Now you're kind of becoming, like, the keynoter um, for a variety of different topics that you can go to. And then once you've done that, right, once you're kind of getting close to wanting, you know, having that speaking session, what you need is your companion PDF, as we would call in our world, mm -hmm. is you need the book, right? Because the book then allows you, if it's just a bestseller for a very short period of time, right, you get to become a bestselling New York Times author. So the, what you're trying to piece together is, you know, famous TED Talk speaker and bestselling author, right? Then now you're actually at the speaker's bureau and getting paid the big bucks. So I did right before this, I looked up our, did a little work. So Scott Galloway, and we'll put this link in there today. Let, let me, let me highlight Brandon did a little work. This is amazing. Work on this. Very motivated wow. here. <laughs> Surprisingly, I did. Uh, so his, his fee range is between on this on this website says so between fifty thousand and seventy thousand dollars. So okay, so let's go back now. Let's go back to the event. So so what that means, and now it's not like he got there overnight, right? And he's and then of course he's an MBA uh, teacher as well, so he's obviously making yeah. his income through that. But where I'm going is, you know, we think Ben Thompson's good. We like him. We talk about him quite a bit. And I I don't know. Let's just say your estimate is right. Maybe it's two hundred. Maybe it's three hundred thousand dollars. But he's writing. Four pretty decent articles uh, a week that I think do take a long time to write, yeah. and uh, I think he likes it. But if we just contrast that with Scott Galloway can make – you know, I'll just take the high number here, and I bet you he makes more now with this book. He can make $75,000 in an, probably an hour. I mean an hour of speaking. Of course, he has to travel and stuff like that. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's pretty easy to see him giving this talk 10 times this year. Right. I think that would Easy. be nothing for him. And, you know, pulling in a half million dollars in addition to some consulting. So it's kind of back to, you know, I just want to bring this all the way back full circle. It's, you know, one, when Scott's writing this book, we should I kind of like, you know, we should look at that and say, like, this is really his companion piece to like making himself this great speaker and being able to, you know, really um, generate high speaking fees. And I think no matter who you are, like celebrities, politicians, whatever, like the fastest way and easiest way to make money is speaking, right? I don't think there's anything like dollar per minute that pays. This is why I think we see a lot of you know famous politicians get on the speaking circuit after they're, you know, if you will, done with politics. It's like there's just no better yeah. way to make money fast. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. this is long way back to like so we know like if you kind of decompose this when you see this book, you're like I don't know if I'm getting a book that like was destined to be written as much as I'm getting a bunch uh, a keynote that's been stretched out from an hour to 200 pages. So again, back as a consumer of this stuff, you may want to decide like, do I want to spend eight hours with this, or is watching the keynote enough? And that's fine that he's making you know a million dollars a year doing this. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, um, 
I'll just say two things and then we should get onto the book. One, uh, well, three things. One, I, I added looking at a Ben Thompson thing to our list. So we should find out probably one of his email newsletters, uh, articles. We should find one and, and look at that. And then that will allow us to discuss Cote's career advice for Ben Thompson. <laughs> but, um, uh, two, yes, I think, I think, I think that's all correct. Now, there, to be, to be positive, I think the other benefit of a book slash PDF is that, you will be able to scale the dissemination of your ideas, right? And there are there's a huge segment of the mainstream market that is just not going to read your shit or watch your two minute videos or, or or whatever. Maybe they will, but I think it is intellectually important to if you have a good idea to spread it as broadly as possible. And without a book, it's just not going to happen, right? So I think Ben has many, many good ideas, and he will help us all out if he puts it in book form and spreads it. And so that that's that's a reason to do it. And then two, uh, I think it's I don't I don't think I don't think one should take Brandon's overview of the speaking thing too cynically. For one, we can all agree on money, right? Like, uh, you know, if 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 you don't want a lot of money, I don't know what your fucking problem is, right? Like, it's you know, the the whole make you know make more money, more problems. Things may be true, but like I think less money equals you're fucked. <laughs> so like that part should have been in the song as well. Um, which I think is highlighted in the first part of Juicy, where he's like, you know, we had the red and black lumberjack, and I was dreaming of, you know, no Christmas presents. So hip hop is a good instruction on, like, sure, money's a problem, but like, it fucking sucks to be slinging rock on the corner, right? As they would say. How's that for uh, uh, channeling Herowitz? Did I do a good job there? Uh, <laughs> I think so. Man. Yeah. All right. You'd be proud. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> but, I, so, I, so, I, but I, I wanted to I just, just, I wanted to add that the the business model of the speaking circuit on the other end is great. Conferences are really expensive to go to, and I guarantee you, if this dude's getting a seventy five thousand dollars speaking fee, the conference people are more than making their money off of it. Right? Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. And agree, and a lot of this money, you know, often is paid by corporations who are sending their employees. And and I should come back and say, like, I I don't have any like real issue. I, it's not but by no means. If yeah, 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 yeah. Give me fifty thousand dollars to come talk. No, no, and 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 I I only I I, and, I highlight that so that people don't dismiss the good point that you're making based on it being like snarky. Like it's a very valid point. So, yeah. anyways, anyways, to the book, to the book. Well, Brandon. no, just let me just like wrap okay. this up and okay. then we'll go to the book. It's just like I just want to say, you know, that. That the again, it's just a consumer of this stuff. Is like, hey, yes. you just want to get if like any person, like you want to get them in their best medium. So if you yes see this, like I just look kind of have this guy like really good keynoter. Maybe you go like before you bought the book and spent a lot of time with it. Maybe just Google on YouTube and watch a little bit, and that will let you decide like is it worthy of eight hours more because his mm -hmm. medium of choice really is the presentation. So yes. again, I just I just think it's a good way to figure out if these books are worth even reading. So that's that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. So all right, all right. So uh uh let me look up this word incohate to make sure it means what I I mean incohate. Speaking of hate, ha <laughs> incohate. Just begun and so not fully formed or developed. Rudimentary. So Brandon, Brandon, will you give us a summary of of what's going on in this book because I found it incohate. Okay. I think the book is again. It's it's mostly like a collection of the keynote stuff that you can watch, and we'll have the links in there. So, I think what has gotten Scott like the most publicity are these predictions he makes around the four companies um, covered in the book. Again, those are uh, Google, Facebook, Apple, and Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. So, not surprisingly, I mean, good 
you know, he has definitely taken the forward probably the four most popular companies, at least in the tech world, maybe in the world generally, and he tries to decompose them down. And what they I think he has done is he has got, you know, I think he has almost like an op-ed think piece for each one of these. So the first four mm. chapters are essentially like a thought piece on what he thinks about the company. And what he does in each one is – he does a little bit of the challenger sales model inside the piece, right? He says something like, you know, um, essentially there, it follows this structure. It's like everybody loves this company, being Amazon, Apple, Google, or Facebook, right? And then he kind of says like, hey, you know, this company probably isn't um, as good or as great as you think it is, right? And this and this like an implicit shout out to the halo effect, which I enjoy. Like which I don't think he ever things, cites anywhere. He doesn't because – only I, I think only I am, or maybe maybe I've made you. <laughs> I am like this is the book that figured that out for me. So I don't know. Maybe there's another book we should be citing on top of that. Um, and so what he's been doing is um, saying like, okay, there was a lot of different reasons this was successful that you did, probably didn't know about. So let's not deify all these companies. And then he usually goes on and like actually shows why he believes they're really successful. And this is where he gets into the T framework. And the T framework, like if you just draw like a human being, um, if like just any person, like what he does is what he's trying to do is like the T is the top of your head, like the line mm. going across. And okay. Then, the bottom of the T or the, the long line is going from your head. Um, and I'm, you know, not to be crass or anything, but like it goes from your head to your heart and then to your, he would say gentle tools, right? You know, so, and what he's basically saying there uh, is, what are you appealing to? Like which part of the body are you appealing to? So that's what he calls the T framework. And so what he kind of does is say – and he takes this T framework and he just outlines. He says like Amazon is really appearing, uh, appealing to your most rational side right? because you're like – you want to get really cheap stuff and there's this need to hoard. So – and then he goes on like um, – you know the the gentle to ones just to jump to the end is like Apple. Like we buy Apple because it's a luxury brand, and the reason we buy luxury brands is like just innately men and women are you know essentially trying to mate, and like you know men buy mm -hmm. like ridiculously expensive sports cars, right? Because that's like a sign of like um, you know being viral or not viral, being uh, <laughs> what am I trying to say? Being a, a good mate, right? Yeah. Someone who can ride. Virile. Thank you. And then women uh, often like spend a lot of money on like appearances because they're sort of attracting that. Mm -hmm. So so each one of these, right, that's what the pattern is, right? He's basically saying, I figured out this T framework, right? There's four different reasons people buy stuff. And then he kind of says like why we should be worried about this company in the future, right? And so – and it's – and I have to say like just as a marketing person, clearly he's great at marketing fantastic timing on this right like with the recent political events and just the general nature of the economy like you know he's been talking about this but like man has the world walked right into where he's been talking right like this idea of like regulation of tech companies and like we should be concerned about more about tech companies it is just i think the media wants to talk about it so i would like to know when he actually started writing this uh because i think mm. he has just timed it perfectly you yeah. couldn't think of a better business book challenging these four companies and potentially discussing uh, government regulation, um, you couldn't time it better. Like there will never be a time when this is more topical or wanting to be more interesting to talk about. So that's the first four chapters of the book. All right. And then I would say – okay. Then, then the book just goes a lot of different directions. Like it's kind of – it's going to be hard for me to like summarize this last part. But I think he, he then kind of like sort of talks about – what you could do or how to think about the T framework. So he lays that out for you in a longer detail, kind of citing some of his examples. 
then he kind of starts to talk about like some stuff to think about in the future if you're starting a company, like how you can maybe think about these or compete with these companies. But that's like real loose, right? It just becomes like – I don't know. I don't feel like it's real tight. And then there's like a chapter or two on – I think it's mostly advice that he gives to his uh, MBA students, right, like on career. And I, I don't know, man. That that part, like there's just a lot of potholes in that thing. I was like this this part, I was like – I was kind of worried. <laughs> I, I, this, I, I just like – I don't – have like two like a, a chapter of stuff of advice to give to anybody <laughs> on what they should do in their career, but I was I will give you this advice. I don't think I'd follow that advice. That yeah, would be yeah. my big thing. And then, um, you know, the final point of the like, and then if you kind of get through all of that, so this like there's kind of like this late part that's just I don't know. It's very unstructured. I didn't I didn't I wasn't drawn to that as it was just wasn't that interesting. I should say the first four I actually thought were interesting. Like I every time he wrote one of those things I was like this is this is kind of interesting. The middle or kind of like back half I was uh, got a little lost. But then at the end I think his point and this was a good point I thought was about these four companies was was very simple and again you don't need to read the whole book to get this. He's just saying that with these companies have so much money and so much influence and just as a general rule it we should be worried when so much money, influence, and power is um, given to just a very small group of people, right? It's, yeah. It has been throughout history, lots of bad things have happened from that. So I think that part, I like that thinking. I think that is not like I don't know if that means we need government regulation of Facebook and all these other things, but I think like calling that out, like guys, this. We've gotten to a point that, like, I don't, you know, do we truly understand how much money and power these four companies have? And we should be thinking about that. That, I thought, at the very, very end, ended on a strong note. Um, and so, so again, like, I, I, I want to be fair about it. Like, I like the first part of it because I don't know if I agreed with that about everything about the four companies, but I left each, each one of those chapters, like, thinking about something. The T framework is mildly interesting. I think that's kind of repackaging of a lot of like just marketing stuff. Like, what's the future benefit? Like, why do people care, right? But it's interesting kind of framework. And then there's this like long middle, this kind of back half. I don't know. It's just I like again, I'd kind of stay away from that. And then the final part. So again, like I liked it. I mean, I I didn't mind reading the whole book back to back or the whole thing. Um, but I did have like a strong like the first half, lost in the middle back half, like the very very final chapter. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a, that's that's a great uh, summary there. That's very good. And so, like, to give my uh, my notes, as it were, on that, I think I think you're right. The, the strongest part is the uh, the analysis, the origin stories, and kind of like layman's explanation of strategy, and therefore kind of forward looking possibilities that each of these companies has. Um, you know, your, your Google, Facebook, Amazon, and Apple, and um, maybe, you know, to be fair, when I was reading it, uh, as I think, I forget who I was saying this to yesterday. I mean, the way, the way I operate is every morning I wake up and I run the diff on yesterday to today on, on everything I follow and I just keep up. And then, you know, we have our, I'm trying to build up my, my authority here without sounding too ignorant, but you know, then we have our more or less weekly podcast where all we talk about is like that kind of topic. So I think I think if you had never like kind of looked at these companies and let me see if this is out of all of those Facebook is the one that I kind of give a shit the least about so to speak. So it is always interesting to read a view on Facebook. So if if you're in an airport 
and you're like, I got a, I got a, a three to twelve hour flight somewhere. I think this would be a fine book to pick up if, if you don't mind blowing, you know, what is it going to be, fifteen to thirty dollars? And uh, you know, you could get a good sense if you've never really followed these four companies of how they operate and a bit of their origin story. Now, there's there's a few like inaccuracies and like just the usual junk about these companies. Like, and just to pick out two. Or they're not inaccuracies, they're shallow renderings of them, right? So there's at one point he talks about uh, Google using Android to, it, it came about to combat the iPhone. And if I recall, and this is based, I think, on Ben Thompson stuff, who actually worked on Microsoft phone stuff in a competitive, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, competitive, um, fuck, competitive uh, analysis or whatever uh, mm-hmm. capacity, like uh, Android was a response to Microsoft phone and Android was also independent, but whatever he Galloway is accurate that it now is a response to the, to the iPhone. And then there's another one that's like, you know, he, he lauds Google for its 20% time and all the way back to 2014. If you go search around, you'll see that people, um, what's her name? Marissa Meyer was like, Oh yeah, that's actually what we call 120% time. And uh, no one does that. So, <laughs> Anyways, there's a few things along the way that if you just uh, – I mean, for someone who cites Business Insider as if it was, like, citable as a source, <laughs> like, he uh, he could have researched that kind of thing. Or he could have had his researchers. Hopefully, he had some researchers. There's, I don't usually criticize on this, but there's one moment where he literally uses the phrase BTW to talk about something. And I remember I added a note, like, did anyone actually edit this book? Because <laughs> – in, in, I went back and reread it, and I don't think he was – I mean, I'll do this every now and then. I don't think in that paragraph he was framing it as if I want to show off that I can talk like the kids. Like there's no stylistic reason to – anyways. Um, right. So those four parts I think are good, and and I'll be fair. I think I, I enjoyed reading them. I always like reading a kind of an overview of strategy, So so that's fine. Now, at the end of each of those sections – he does bring this challenger thing, but some of them are just ridiculous. Like he says, Apple should start a university. I don't, I don't know what, what that's about. I mean, I'm not saying that wouldn't be cool, but it doesn't really, it's just ludicrous. And, and then, so to, uh, and then we'll get to the, to the, uh, to the middle part. I think, I think you're right. The, the, for some reason he does, he, he does a good job of not being overly moralistic so that, He's kind of odious and annoying in his uh, pulpit pounding. Uh, but he does have a good point, and he makes the point very well that other people have tried to make that we need to take these companies a lot more seriously, not just because they have a huge valuation or whatever, but they are they are obviously warping our reality. And, you know, warping good wood is fine if you actually want it to bend and to build a boat out of it. But if it warps in the wrong way and, and doesn't do what you want, then you got to control that. So his he attempts to make an argument that we should regulate – we should think of and therefore regulate these companies as media companies. Um, well, maybe not all of them. Apple's not in that area, but, you know, Facebook and Google. I mean, I think I think his strongest his strongest pushes around the cultural effects of Facebook and Google, right? I mean, we could come back to the Amazon stuff, which is – which is a hard thing to deal with. But I mean, Apple is Apple, right? Like the only real point he makes about Apple is like, they're selling you overpriced handbags that are maybe making you spend too much time on your phone. And I don't know if that's good or bad. And, and this is an argument. Like I remember way back to Socrates, Socrates was like, writing is going to destroy humanity, right? Like everyone worries that every, everyone worries that uh, the newest technology is going to destroy them. And yet here we are 
on the journey to becoming sentient carpets on some outer world. So <laughs> things are going fine. Um, well, I, I definitely with you on the Apple felt like the weakest of them all. Like yeah. there seemed to be the least amount of interesting stuff there. And I just because I, I think in the summarizer he just kind of pointing out that like it's a premium product with that you're buying a, a lot based on emotion. But that's sort of kind of like this whole thesis is yeah. like yes, this is how human beings process decisions. And and also too the other part I just found it like not credible because like one I think the Pixel phone from Google, well maybe not exactly the same price is clearly pushing into the same price category. Yeah. In the circles we run in, you know, I think there's even now a status symbol of being a pixel guy, like an Absolutely. Android pixel guy. You know, that's sort of like people trying to be above the the, the general Apple crowd. So I, I just really found that part like, you know, this this seemed like of yeah, all yeah. the things he po- pointed out, like the least kind of relevant. I, so so I think so. Let me phrase it and then move on to my my other ones. I think his his whatever his his write up of the strategy the currently existing strategy of each of these companies is great. You can go read that and I think you will get as as there are different views of this, but you will get a very coherent more or less well argued <laughs> and proven uh a lot less than more uh version of what the strategy of these companies are. You will understand how they run and operate. Um and Never mind all the quibbles that I would have here and there. Like, you know, for a professor, this guy is shit at citing things. He's very, very bad at citations right. and building up proof. But that's why I would call this an airport business book. You made this point about math. Like, let's just move on, right? So so second thing, if you want to dig into the, the ideas of these things as media companies, I would recommend The Attention Merchants, which is a solid book, Right. Now, the attention merchants has an obvious, uh, as we would say in America, a left-wing bias to it, right? This dude is obviously saying, like, all the way up to the FCC, we need to be fucking putting these people in chains. Like, he doesn't put it that way, but that's his point. And it gives you all of the context to understand uh, and to believe in an argument that these people are advertisers and media companies. And therefore, all of the things we've learned over the past two centuries about how advertisers fit into our social structure and how we properly regulate them and don't regulate them should be applied to these companies. So boom, go read the attention merchants if you like that, right? Because it's much more convincing. Um, I don't know what they argue over on the libertarian far right side. They're probably just like, go read Ayn Rand and fuck yourself is my footnote to all that. Uh, So (laughs) not that I have opinions. Um, So then on the T framework thing, I'm glad you went over that because I never, maybe I was like too drunk at the time in first class <laughs> reading this. Uh, but like I had no, I had no idea what he was talking about with the T framework. I think I was confused because T is also used to be like a T skilled person, which is a much different thing. So a more entertaining, oddly not cited version of this is a, I think it's in the 90s, a book by this French dude called The Culture Code. And this book is basically all about the T framework. And it's it's that uh, if you're doing and it's interesting that this person, I forget the dude's name. It's some highfalutin French name, despite my own name that I wouldn't be able to pronounce anyways. Um, But it's an it's a he's also a brand consultant for for basically consumer packaged goods, CPG stuff, just like I bet Galloway more or less is. I bet I would estimate probably 20 to 40 percent of his revenue comes from CPG companies and and also media companies anyways Um, like man, when I was at Dell strategy, they really pounded into me that you just got to take a fucking position on estimates, which, which is delightful. I'm realizing, but the culture code is an extremely fraught book, right? Like it is, it is a very 
as it should be kind of intellectually controversial book in its area. And there is, um, I forget who the long-term media uh, review is, who, who, who has a good episode, but he talks about it in one of his, um, his, his videos or his documentaries. But I, if you're into that kind of like people buy based on what's uh, based on their dick, you should definitely go read the culture code that that's right in that slot there. Um, so there is my, if you, if you want to dig into it, much better version. And again, may I'll have to go search for this, but I think it's very troubling that these books are not sorted now are cited. Now, if, if it was just like someone like me, uh, or whatever writing this book, I wouldn't be worried about it. But as Galloway is fond of reminding us, he is a professor at NYU Stern, right? So it's sort of like you're a fucking professor or at least a lecturer. Like you should know the body of work. It's so, but this goes yeah. back to your framing that like, well, this is not uh, an academic work. Totally fine, right? Anyways, uh, so those are things that I put in there now. But I, I was going to say, but before we get off, like, so yeah, yeah. you have a good lead into like a good shorthand for, uh, selecting books is again look back to looking at like who's writing them so the mm-hmm. one book he did cite in there that i caught was the everything store by amazon yeah um, so that was that brad, was good <laughs> by brad stone and so yeah, yeah, and yeah. he kind of makes a like a good i think in that one line he's very um self-aware that he sort of says like listen there's much better books if you want to see what went on behind the scenes and he then he talks about that one so back to like should you read this business book like the other way, like quick heuristic is like, is it written by a journalist, right? That is covering a specific topic. So like the yeah. everything store for Amazon, hatching Twitter for the Twitter guys, uh, the intention merchants is another one. Those are generally people that come from a journalistic background. And it's something like this is where I think they're coming from. They're like, listen, I was writing this piece and it was good, but I had, it turns out I had like 50,000 more words on this, but like my, you know, I can't put this in my, my Bloomberg article, right? And so there's a place where like, yeah, probably reading the books can give you a lot more context than yeah, they could yeah. actually put in their business. So kind of back to, um, you're not going to get as much on the strategy side, but you're going to get a lot more on like, this is really what went down, which sometimes is more informative of the actual strategy yeah. itself. And then kind of wrap that this yeah, point yeah. up. And, it's just kind of back to yeah. Amazon, right? Like, and all of these things, like he is debunking the origin myth, but at the same time, you know, I think he he really I think there's a lot of hindsight bias in the strategy. Like Steve Jobs had all of this figured out, or Jeff Bezos had all of this figured out, like when they started, and then they just did it. And you read those other books, you're like, you know, there's a lot of like, well, we're not really sure. Let's just start uh, selling books and we'll see what happens, right? So, you yep. know, that and again, as a strategy consultant, you want the strategy to believe, like, yeah, you just come up with it and it all works. When you read these other kind of, um, if you want to say, uh, TikTok playbacks of like what really happened, you know, that strategy. Yeah, is, yeah. Like, yeah I, I, I mean, I mean, to when when what you're selling is ideas you also need to sell the idea that ideas work (laughs) right you know you are exactly like like, which which is very dicey as as we all know so uh i mean and not to sound like uh an arrogant i've read a lot of book stuff but another book that i think fits in here well that is is troubling that he doesn't cite and this gets to the the moralistic stuff is uh the wealth of nations so that's a book that deals only with this moral question of like so like he spends Galloway spends an inordinate amount of time talking about like automation and stuff like that. Uh, whereas a book that deals with that is uh, the the wealth of of uh, is it the wealth of not the wealth of nations. I'm I'm ruining the pun. The wealth of humans. Um, and uh, so that's a good book that goes over the moralistic conclusion of a lot of this stuff. So um, yeah, his, his moral thrust of stuff is good. And then 
I don't know. I have I have kind of as little to say about the career advice, but we can kind of end on that. But before we get to it, I mean, I know I'm not expressing very well why I find this book so odious, but you can look at the extended show notes for some citations of it. And just like, like, I'll give you one small example. Uh, at one point, he says, my favorite example of AI is the Play Next episode feature in Netflix. And you're like, I don't even know where to fucking start with that sentence. Right? Like... <laughs> That that is just barely more advanced than sorting a column in Excel, right? Like there is now if what he meant is play next thing in Netflix, you might be interested in. Sure, there's some machine learning behind that. But I went and reread that, and I think I even quoted it. Let me let me let me find this here, just just to add thrust behind my uh, shitting on this, uh, like. Like he says, he says, my favorite use of AI is Netflix autoplay for the next episode of a series, which has now been copied by other platforms. Right. So, yeah, I'll just leave it right there. That. Well, yeah, no, I'm not going to leave it. That, that, there is there is there is no AI in that at all. So congratulations. Anyways. <laughs> There, there are numerous things like that throughout the book that if, if you're paying attention, no matter how many free gin and, gin and limes on the rocks you've had in seat 6C, you're just going to be like, what? So anyways, let's move on. Uh, I, th I think in that respect, to summarize, I keep wanting to summarize this. My sense is that um, in, in a much more informed intellectual way, this is a good example of the abstract reasoning and rhetoric that Trump uses for things, right? Like it's sort of like intuitively all makes sense if you're prepared to hear it. But if you start peeling apart at it and you even look for consistency and citations, you're like, no, this doesn't add up, right? This is, there's not even duct tape being used to like pull together this rotting meat sloppiness of a body of thought. So you gotta, you gotta beware of all of that. Uh, in there. Now, there's a lot of good meat in there, some good cuts of meat. Uh, sometimes you let the meat rot and then you carve off the bad parts of it and you got yourself a $200 steak. But you really got to you got to you got to go through that pile of, uh, of flesh to find the good stuff, which is tedious. So then. <laughs> so my recommendation is obviously to read this book. Uh, but um, so then uh, let, let, let's I think there's two things before we run out of time. One, uh just as I was doing right then, his bombastic style is um, stylistically. This book is great if you're into that kind of thing. Now I've gotten to the point in in my appreciation of style career where I'm sick of my own shit, but I'm also very conscious that people keep paying me to be um, Gonzo style, and you know I like to impress myself. So I like my own writing style, but I am highly aware that it can be very annoying to people. Um, as as someone in uh, in in the register comments wrote recently, the register should hire adults to write for them, and I I get it right. Like my my shtick is uh, not really for everyone. Like I can't do my public persona Gonzo shtick with my wife because at some point several years ago she was just like stop it. So you know, <laughs> so I, I don't do that do that with her. But anyways, people appreciate that, and um, I think it was Nabokov. I had to go find this quote who said you know. There are three levels to reading. The first level is you, and I'm going to get this wrong, you appreciate the content, right? Or you like the story or whatever. The second level is you kind of like the ideas uh, that are done for it. And the highest level of reading is you purely read for style, right? Like you don't, it doesn't really matter what's being said. You just appreciate the style of it. 
And so he does a good job at that, right? If you read this book, you'll be like, this guy is a master stylist at the Gonzo style. So, so there's that. Um, and then, and then, so the final thing is, yeah, this very troubling set of, and this, this part, even though we don't have that long to discuss it, this is the heart of what makes a good business book, right? Like you want to have actionable advice of what to actually do based on, um, the documentary information that you read and his advice about what to do is weak to say the least. Now that said, I think there's an opportunity that he has that he tries to use, but doesn't work out very well. So he was, he, he got involved in a, let's call it a gentle private equity rating on the New York times. Um, and he actually gives a very enlightening look into how you do strategy for a late term company if you're going to raid them. And so his overview of when he got one of his PE buddies to go in and buy up, what was it? 16, 17% ownership in the New York times. That is, that's a great section, right? Because he highlights all sorts of things that if you can get your head out of the idea that like, we don't give a fuck about the media industry, like just kind of get the abstract patterns and principles. Like there's one section where he's like, here was our plan. We were going to buy the New York times, and unlock some of the value by first divesting of about.com, which is valued at a billion dollars. We were going to sell off that skyscraper they own in Manhattan. So this kind of tactical, how do we raise money and get the space that we need um, to really do something that is not being done by management at the company to evolve the medium is really good. And that that's the core of good, good rating strategy or unlocking value, as they say. <laughs> um, and so that part's great. Now, his advice about what you should do, um, the, well, the one thing that, what he wanted to do with the New York Times was one, sell off all those assets. He wanted to trim a lot of fat, like blubbering fat, not healthy fat. And and then he wanted to basically uh, lock down um, the content and kind of sell the content, follow an economist model, which is fine. That's That's interesting. But so that's good. But he never really succeeds in saying, how would you translate that into advice for other companies? Right. I mean, at the at the end of the day, I think he just is like, you should do things that are unique and defensible. And it's like, yeah, thank you. Good good job there. <laughs> yes. um, and then and then I, I, I know we got to wrap up here, but his. um, Yeah, his career advice is fine, but I would categorize it. And, 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 and you know, I, 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 I hate to be making so many male references, but his career advice is basically just typical like. New Yorker big swing and dick stuff, right? Like if you want to be a big like New York style swing and dick person, you should follow his advice. Done, right? That that's a playbook. It works out. Um, but um, it was it was nicely more gentle summarized by Eric Schmidt, I think, a while ago, who said, uh, if uh, if someone asks you if you want a seat on a on a rocket, stop asking questions and get on the rocket, right? Which is uh, that's that's a type of career advice that you can take, but. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's that's my summary at the end here. All right. Well, I like it. Well, I think you know we should end on kind of maybe like what you let's let's try to be uh, prescriptive. Like what you should do. Here's my recommendations. Like if you think this one may be interesting for you, watch his YouTube video, which I think is 15 minutes, yeah. uh, and that'll be in the show notes or on in the white paper that we release. And then that really Cote does all the work, so he's going to include that. And then the uh, if you want a little bit more, you can just listen to an, an interview with him where he covers a lot of this. Yeah, yeah. It's about an hour. And then uh, and then if you want more, so the way I kind of figure these books out very tactically is like as everybody that listens to these knows, I, I, I don't really read these books. I listen to almost everything. So in Audible, it tells you the length is eight hours and 32 minutes. But of course, as you know, because you're a loyal listener, I'm going to tell you, you just double speed that baby up. 
So you're talking four hours, 16 minutes, and that is what I call an SFO book. So I live in Austin, so you just get on the plane in Austin, <laughs> and three and a half hours later you're in San Francisco, and you're like, you've got probably like three or four interesting ideas that like occupied you during that flight. And then maybe you can just think about them, you know, in your day-to-day business um, going around. So that that would be my recommendation yeah, of what yeah. you what our dear listeners should do next. Yeah, and 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 to close out, let me let me diffuse any sort of like assholery on my part. Like I think I think on the basis, all of his ideas and things are good. And what he suffers from is probably exactly the same thing I would suffer from. Is he needs a very strong editor or co- co-author who would come in and be like, "This is bullshit. Let's let's work on it." And it's kind of clear that he doesn't really have that. Or if he does it, whoever was doing it with him is an utter failure. Like you need someone to come in and dress this up, as we keep saying, in the right packaging of a book form, right? Like. Um, this could have been like an awesome book if it was packaged and edited correctly but uh, it was not 